0: Hello, this is Group One and uh, Week Two, and I'm going. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the summary. All right. Uh, in in Section Two, in the beginning, Montag and Mildred uh, begin to try and make sense of the books. She is confused and terrified, while he is intrigued and wants to continue looking for meaning through literature. Montag meets meets with a with an old English professor by the name of Faber. Montag seeks guidance from him and to learn more about himself. He tries to find himself in the books, however. Faber Faber helps him understand that only Montag can know who he truly is. The two men plan to convert the other firemen by using books they have stored. The old man gives Montag a device so that he can listen in on the firemen's conversation to speak with him from his own house. When Montag returns home, he distresses Mildred's friends by reading a poem from a book. When Montag returns to work, Betty to confuse and intimidate him. The section ends with the, the fireman being called to burn the protagonist's home. What was the plan? What? What was your plan? Uh, the plan was to convert the other firemen using the books.
1: Alright, so I'm the context connoisseur, and a uh, background is that this book was published in 1953 and books circa like 1950s had like a dystopia kind of fiction and there was all these possibilities of nuclear wars and life on earth could come to an end this connects to the end of the book I mean end to the of section two and there was also the rise of television and the television has destroyed the public's interest in reading and individual choice is eclipsed by social conformity and in Fahrenheit 451. A family's affluence is measured by how many wall-sized screens dominate the parlor. And American culture: soldiers were coming home, and wives turning to housewives since they were no longer to be needed and factories working for war reparations. So there was a need for a new dynamic. And TV Guide, the number one magazine in the fifties, created an idealistic home standard, and it was shaped by new and innovative things, technology. -hmm.
0: Can repeat what said about the American soldiers?
1: That they were coming home from war and wives turned into housewives since they'd no longer to be in factories working for war reparations.
2: Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get started with the section questions. Alright, so. It, this is the first question. Do you think if given a choice that this society would read? So in other words, if it weren't illegal, would people even want books? So who wants to get started with that?
1: Oh, sorry. I think if it weren't illegal, more professors, because like Professor Faber, he was like, um, he had to like retire and like do something else because there was like a lack of people in the, in the university and they had to close at that and at the same time books were becoming illegal. So there was no need for him, but like once they turned legal, so many other people realized they like literature and like to read instead of looking at pictures and not really thinking or having a deeper thinking on things. Mm-hmm.
0: So you think uh, they would be, or just So you think the society would read? Yeah. Okay. Uh, personally, I don't. I don't think the society would read because. As you saw with the whole uh, poem shenanigans with Montag and uh, Mildred's friends, uh, they completely just denied it. They they didn't want to listen to it. They they ha- had no reason to listen to it. They 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 wanted to leave afterwards and never come back because it was just uh, sad to them. Distressing. Yeah, distressing. So, and I don't think society would want to read. Especially
2: after a moment like
1: that. Oh, yeah, interesting. Oh, adding on to that, I think that they wouldn't want to read because they think everything's sad, and Montag shows that, like, what he read, the passage was sad, but not everything written is sad. It's supposed to have, like, a story, and everything always has a beginning and an end. Mm-hmm. So there is ones where, like, it's, like, love, and, like, favorite tells Montag, you're a hopeless romantic. Yeah. You know, things like that. So I ev- think... Oh, yeah,
2: go ahead. So everyone just wants
0: to know, or uh, everyone's... Everyone wants to
1: be happy and just happy. Yeah,
2: nobody wants to know the sad, even though if there's a beginning... It's it part of it, yeah. yeah. It has to be part of it. I think that even if, the, like, the society doesn't... The government doesn't really need to make books illegal. They uh, did a good job scaring people away by saying, you know, like, books are encouraged, like, sad feeling, you know, negative emotions. Yeah. And I think that would drive them away. And I think it has. And I, I think I agree with Michael on this one that they wouldn't read. So uh, that actually leads us to the next question, and this is um, this uh, it's about Mrs. Phelps, uh, which is one of one of uh, Mildred's friends. So on page ninety-seven, after after uh, Montag reads the Sea of Faith, which is the poem, it says, "Quote: Mrs. Phelps is crying. The others in the middle of the desert desert watch her crying grow very loud as her face squeezed itself out of shape. They sat not touching her, be- bewildered with her display. She sobbed uncontrollably." So that's page ninety-seven. And so the question is, why do you think Mrs. Phelps began to cry after Montag read the poem? Any ideas? I personally, I think when you look back at the poem, it shows, I, I mean, I didn't really understand the poem, but that's just because of it, but um, like, I thought that it had a lot of like Negative emotions, and it kind of has a, a weird sort of like nostalgia to it. Um, well, it's it talks about like it's melancholy, long withdrawing roar, and it's really shows. I think it it opened up a door for Mrs. Phelps to like really think. It was the first time she thought in a while, and when she thinks, like she she when she actually thinks about her situation, it I think that like distressed her so much that she started to cry. Um, but what are you guys' ideas on it?
0: Uh, well, I'm pretty sure in the book uh, around the same page, it's it's uh, I forgot who it was. I think it was Miss Phillips, but she mentioned how it was like it was just very sad. Uh, the poem itself, so it could have been just a reaction from uh, you know a sad poem. But you know, maybe maybe it could uh, just bring up memories from a, from. A dark past that she just tries to you know, block
2: out. Uh-huh. So. Do you have any, any other ideas? Or maybe there was
1: like key words in there that maybe made her think deeper of things because she's so used to thinking so simply and like just like a whatever kind of thing. Yeah, and especially her friends and like how they treat kids and like they just come once a month. Mm. So things like that. They don't really have deep, true emotions.
2: And then when they do, it's, it's like, like too much. Yeah, yeah, it's like oh
1: no, sadness, no.
2: No, yeah, that's kind of yeah. I do, I agree with that. I agree. Okay, next question. Um. So this kind of goes into what we were talking about, but why do you think that the poem was significant for Montag but unsettling to the women? So what did Montag see that the women didn't? I'll I'll get started on this one as well. Um, I think that he is, I think he was, like, ready. Like, like Rihanna was saying, like, the women, they hadn't, for so long, they hadn't felt, like, this deep emotion. And they hadn't really thought any more than, like, their TV families or anything like that. Um, But this poem sort of forced them to, like, face those emotions and face what they're missing. And... Well, that was unsettling for them um, because they weren't expecting that at all. And, like, they they just aren't ready to hear those things. I think Montag was at that point.
1: I think so, too. Like, especially the way Montag is, like, so, like, fired up from, like, meeting with Faber. And, like, he's, like, like, these women are there and, like, having, like, fake conversations almost, like, trying to be, like, unrealistic standards. And he says, ah, love, let us be true. And then, like, there's, like, exclamations. Mm-hmm. So that can, like, especially change, like, the tone of things and the deep sense of, like, love and let us be true.
2: Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. Any other thoughts on that? Uh,
0: maybe, uh, was it was Miss Phelps? Uh, may, maybe uh, the poem had, like, a bit of truth of it for uh, Miss Phelps, kind of like what we mentioned before. Maybe... The poem relates to what her life was like that we just don't know about. Or, you know, maybe it just triggered something uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that just led her to cry.
2: So. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next question. Unless, Christian, you have anything to add? Okay. Um, so this is number five. Beatty displays, uh, Captain Beatty displays a wide knowledge of books and seems pretty well read. Why do you think he decides to enforce book bans? And why isn't he punished for reading?
1: I think it's because especially like before when they were slaves and how they couldn't have um, read or like they were illiterate and they couldn't stand up for themselves so maybe beauty is having a power over people by him being able to be like okay I have deeper emotions I have deeper meanings I know what things mean and they don't so I tell you the simple things Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so like I'm smarter than you and knowledge is power so he's clearly using that to his advantage
2: oh yeah no I definitely I agree with that I think it's a power thing because you see, like a character like Clarice or a character like Faber, who um, are more like well-read, and they're more well read or at least aware of like the books in the society, right? But while Clarice tries to spread knowledge and spread sort of a rebellion, Beatty doesn't, and I think that's because exactly because it's a power dynamic. Him being able to be so well-read, he understands those deep emotions, and he uses it against those people. Um, because he likes power more than he likes freedom, I guess. And uh, he's able Brothers. to get
1: like all those books from when he does those raids and everything because uh-huh. he supposedly has to collect them. Uh-huh. And so he's like, okay, you either give me the book and I burn it, which you probably don't know if he burns it or not. Yeah. Or you burn it yourself.
2: Yeah. So he so just wants power and that's it? I, I, that's what, well, do you agree with that? That's what yeah.
1: our, we're thinking.
2: And he
0: probably wants to take advantage of the people in the society. And so it makes him a uh, bigger figure in society.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: 18 that I Michael? not really. Just yeah. beside that I agree. I mean, yeah. He it does, it does seem like, you no. Know, he just wants... He wants to belittle everyone by knowing so much more than yeah. everyone else. They yeah. intimidate them.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, I hate that, but, like, it really fits <laughs> his character. Um, okay, so we're gonna move on to the next one. Uh, this is more about, like, our own world, so... What qualities from this dystopia do you see reflected in our own society?
1: I think especially like what we were saying earlier about the other question about knowledge is power and people not knowing their rights, especially right now with like immigration and things like that. People don't know that they can't be in a detention center more than a certain amount of days mm-hmm. and the U.S. like agencies and like they use that to their advantage to take like especially since the people don't know and they don't speak English and they won't have translators or uh-huh. the translators don't translate exactly what they wanted to say and the inhumane ways that kids are being treated as a result of them not knowing. So, yeah, knowledge is bad. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Anything
2: to add to that? What? (laughs) I see a lot—well, I see a little bit of the censorship going on. Like we were talking about in class, how there's like— you guys like know that kind of censorship, like for the books and schools and stuff. It's like people say it's for—they say it's for the best. Um, but like how do we really know it's for the best, you know, until you read it and then you see for yourself. So that's why I kinda of see reflected. Books right. books
0: have many meanings, you could see it in different ways depending on how you read it or how you look at it. Yeah. Like a, a happy go lucky book could probably be like a dark uh, a dark uh, truth to it for all you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right, and let's continue. Um, do you consider Montag to be a leader or a follower? So um, do you think that he would be the one to lead the revolution or do you think that's up to someone else like Clarice, like a different kind of character like Clarice? Clarice. Uh, I think
0: uh, Montag can be a leader, but he's trying to find himself first because it's like uh, like in Star Wars, uh, the, the little kids, how they're getting trained. I feel like Montag's that and he's getting trained to become a uh, Jedi to become a better person and help other people and and when he gets to that level
2: he can be a great uh leader mm-hmm. but yeah not yet right yeah, like right now he's still finding himself yeah,
1: I agree with that because like when he met Clarice like he was always like you know I'm a firefighter like I burn books like who do you think you're talking to like you want to talk about books and, like, yeah deeper meanings. but like now that we have read it it's like oh no he's like really liked it so uh, yeah. he was a leader then but I think because of like, him losing Clarice and like him talking to favorites, turning into him later. Yeah, so he's it's, like, on the process, way. Like, the he's in the process, in, yeah. Because he has to go through some like changes in order to be who he is, a strong person.
0: Uh, personally, I think Montag's kind of a mix. Because at the beginning of the book, he was very much a follower to Clarice. But then uh, kind of near where we are now, he's been showing like, oh no, I'm going to take over this operation real quick and read this poem and do this and whatnot. And then he like goes back to like, all right, I'll, I'll burn the poem or, you know, whatever uh, like Faber says.
2: Okay. All right. So this is the second to last question. Um, what do you think that the bomber jets uh, represent or symbolize? So in the book, you can see in a lot of passages where they have like the great thunder of like the um, bomber jets passing over them. Do you guys, like, uh, that's, that's definitely, like, a symbol uh, that we see throughout the books. Do you guys know or do you guys have any ideas on what that might symbolize?
1: I think it might symbolize that the government is always watching and, like, no matter you, if you try to escape it, it's always going to be there. So, like, if he tries to go with favor, and, like, you still hear it. Like, they're still watching. and still there, even if he's trying to make this revolution type of thing.
2: Oh, wow. I had never thought about it that way. I was thinking more of, it was like more of like an emotional turmoil. Because when you look at the passages where you see, where you hear the bomber jets, there's always something going on with um, Montag. And it really freaks him out, especially the, like in the first times that we see that happening. It like has a really big effect on him. But I actually I like your interpretation. I think that's yeah, uh, I think
1: really that I can show like that everybody has their own interpretation of the book. Like Michael mm-hmm. was saying earlier, too if you think it's, like, a good or, like, a bad or it brings out this qualities mm-hmm. or that quality.
2: Yeah. Any other ideas on what it might symbolize? Uh... Well, I can continue on. To the, uh, this is the last question. Um, were you surprised by the end of the section? This is just a... What do you guys think? Were you guys surprised or not? Uh...
0: Personally, I wasn't too surprised because after we read the poem to Mildred's friends, I kind of expected something with the firemen to happen. Like they'd inform the firemen, "Oh, hey, uh, you got a you got a traitor on your hands," mm-hmm. you know.
2: But then it was Mildred who betrayed him. Mildred was the one who called the cops on him or the firemen. But I that surprised that okay, I kind of saw that coming. I was like, Mildred, you can't trust her, like. She's, she likes her TV family more than she loves her husband. So yeah,
1: and she doesn't want to learn the deeper meanings of things because Montag tries to teach her like, oh, this is like a certain book and this has a meaning. Yeah. And it's too
2: he, much for her. He, yeah,
1: she he reads it to her and he's she's like, okay, and what like yeah, why does it? Imp-
2: she she does she's not like ready to hear those things. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel Christian. Were you surprised for? Oh yeah, like you guys, like.
0: <laughs> Like, Miltie Milt, doesn't uh, want to understand deeper meaning, and, like, you can't trust her, because she loves her TV family more.
2: Yeah, I feel like, that was, oh, yeah, I, I kind of saw it coming, I was like, there's no way that he's gonna get away with having all these books, and I felt like Beatty knew too, like, he was, he, he knew, especially when he, he when he didn't look at the book when um, Montek gave it to him, I was like, that's a little sketchy, like, he would look at the book to make sure that it was, so I felt like he knew that he had, like, a whole library. Yeah. But, all right so we're just uh, that's the end of our discussion so we're just gonna move on to like literary devices and yeah <laughs> so one of the ones
1: that i saw was personification and one on page 69 was that he stared at the part of that part that was dead and gray of the waters of an ocean that might team with life if they switched on the electric sun I think this shows how Bradbury wants to have Guy have a view of things that come to life that because he has been educated by books, he has more imagination compared to his wife who does not want to expand on things and just see things as they are. The author wants Montag to be a person who views the things with, with depth and life. So if you guys wanted to add on to anything there on how the author views. Like his no, purpose. I mean, that
2: makes, that makes sense to me.
1: And then another part was this book has pores, it has features. That's something that Faber says on page 79. And it's explaining that the book has pores, expands on the idea that a book has a story to tell. This would connect to the author's purpose because the book wants to be something that has a life, that there is a clear beginning and end. Some other ones was irony. Which was the only way I could possibly listen to you Would be if somehow the fireman structure itself could be burnt On page 81, which is favor-telling Montag Which is ironic because a fireman structure And burnt because a fireman, like, puts out or starts it in the book
2: Yeah, absolutely How do you catch that?
1: (laughs) And a few symbols that I saw was Even the smile, the old burnt smile, and that's gone I'm lost without it So that could be a symbol because Montag wears this mask around people that when he met Clarice, she was able to see through to who he really was. So when she left, he doesn't feel comfortable going back to who he really was. And like he also explains Montag how he took, she took his mask with her. This is connected to the author's purpose because he wants for the readers to show how vulnerable Montag really is. And another one is I can't talk to my wife, she listens to the walls. The fact that Montag cannot talk to the person he chose to spend the rest of his life with shows how alone he truly is. That he has so many people around him, but he has never felt so alone. Another foreshadowing thing is that you could feel the war getting ready in the night sky night. Get ready in the sky that night. The author's purpose with this is that he wants a reader to know of an upcoming battle, another obstacle that is coming to the world. And repetition is she was the first person in a good many years I really liked. She was the first person I can remember who looked straight at me as if I counted. The author's purpose for this was that to make sure that the reader can clearly see the impact of Clarice on Montag, that their small interactions had a deeper meaning for Montag. And a paradox was that it was dead, but it was alive on page 69. This is to show that sometimes things contradict each other, but make sense in an odd way. And a juxtapose was that on page 79 was where we are living in a time when flowers are trying to live on flowers. So the author's purpose for this is to show how maybe destruction is being developed because of other destruction, that humans are living on humans by having more power over each other.
2: Thank you. All right, and that's the end of our discussion. Word, yeah? Oh, yeah, words? Oh, my God, yeah, say your words. <laughs> Wrong. All right. Uh, so,
0: quick words, just in case, you know, for clarification. Uh, Second hand uh, would be uh, having had a previous owner or something is, isn't new. Uh, a notion would be, like, uh, a belief about something. And uh, a press buyer, which... Oh, in other words, means you know, sweating because either you're nervous or you're, uh, you're like really stressed out. And uh, lastly, leisure would be something like free time. All right. And
2: uh, alright, thank you, Michael. And we'll stop that there.